Mic working? Uh oh. Oh no. You breaking stuff already? No, 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 no. It's working. It's working. It's working. That's why we can't have nice things. I know. Um. Now, I don't know, Joseph. I don't know if you listen or not, or Bobbert. Bobbert's what we have to call him. Yeah, my name's Bobbert. Yeah, Bobbert's what we have Bobbert. to call. Him. Yeah. There you go. Uh. I don't know. Did you see? Uh, did you see Ron's deal with uh, I am Funny Bone? No. He done this whole. Like... I'm insulted. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh. This interview is over uh, before it starts. <laughs> I, missed, I missed out on that one. It's uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's he sent me the trailer of it. You can watch it on YouTube. Um. It's really like cinematic and stuff, and um, it's a docu series. I I kept calling it a documentary the last time. Uh, Ron, you know it better. You know the story better than I do. Won't you tell him about Funny Bone? Who Funny Funny Bone is? Yeah, well, as you know, there's no shortage of interesting characters and stories of people involved with pro wrestling, and uh, one of the guys that wrestles out of Vegas said I've seen you go to Arizona a few times and follow on uh, social media and seen to have a pretty interesting life is this guy who uh, wrestles as Funny Bone. And um, his gimmick is, uh, he, you know, he paint, uh, paints his face like a skeleton and uh, has, you know, his own look and feel to how he accentuates that. And uh, he was trained by Nick Bockwinkle, of all people. Because uh, Bachwinkle lived in Vegas toward the end of his life. And actually, I think when he passed away, he was still living there. So he has the old school um, mentality, funny bone. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, really gets into the showmanship. And from the minute his, his entrance music hits, uh, Rob Zombie, Land of a Thousand Corpses, it's just a show. And you can't take your eyes off the guy. And, you know, he's a solid worker in the ring. Real entertaining guy. But out of the ring, he also has a pretty interesting life, as we got to know from talking to him, uh, you know, just the life of an independent wrestler anyway is interesting and in what these people have to do to survive and a lot of times hand to mouth gig to gig to pursue and, and uh, perfect their craft. But uh, also in his personal life, um, you know, growing up, he lived in extreme poverty in a suburb or on the outskirts of Vegas. His mom was a, uh, a prostitute and a drug addict. His dad was you know almost non-existent in his life. It was basically funny bone and his brother who was a year and a half older to uh make their way and he talked about how you know he he um lived in the gang infested area and when he would just like walk home from school he had to go with certain ways to avoid walking past gang uh hand-me-downs from his brother which were never new to begin with so by the time he got them you know, they barely were holding together and there were times where he didn't even have underwear or socks. You know, he's basically piecing together whatever he could find to wear for clothes to school. Um, and because of that upbringing, uh, as he became an adult, he always swore that when he had a family, he was going to make sure to give better to his kids and offer them the things that he never had growing up. Even simple things like love and attention, you know, to more uh, material things. But even the relationships that Funny Bone had growing up, it, uh, you know, it's given him a real free-spirited way of thinking. Um, you know, romantically, he was involved with two women who <laughs> themselves were also in a lesbian couple. So there was this whole love triangle going. 
and it created this blended family with seven kids between them. And among those seven kids, there was a set of twins. There was a two or is a two year old who's uh, deaf and mute, and a um, another uh, child who I think was blind. I can't remember now. But there's just like different challenges that go along with just this whole crazy lifestyle and his background and. You know, his mom is estranged and lives in and uh, has family in Iowa. And part of what we want to do is try to reunite them and get get the uh, mother and son's relationship rekindled. So, you know, it's it's kind of a long answer, but it's just because there's so many different elements to this guy that go beyond maybe the ten minutes you perhaps would see him performing at a ring. And that's what we really want to highlight. You know, it's it's a human interest, interesting, crazy, you know, screwed up story that we hope will captivate people. And it happens to be about a person that's in the world of independent professional wrestling. So, um, you know, we hope that once we can get a distribution deal for it, that will attract wrestling fans because it's about wrestling, but also to people that just like a good, you know, entertaining human interest story would get caught up in it and want to watch as well and be able to tap into audiences from all different angles. Okay. So I got a question. Did you ever see the, CM Punk on a milk carton sign. Did I ever see CM Punk what? Did you ever see the sign that Mick Foley posted about when when CM Punk was doing his whole deal and he was just like, like when he walked out after the Royal Rumble, did you see where Mick Foley, and it was a couple more, Taz even did it too, where they posted about this fan that went to the arena on a Monday Night Raw holding a sign that it was a real sign. Like all you have to do is, if you haven't seen it, is type it in on Google, type in CM Punk on a milk carton. But familiar. Yeah, uh, that was Bobbert. <laughs> gotten that on television then it'd probably be way bigger a way bigger part yeah. of history actually jeremy i think i remember you sending that to me that's how i learned about it if i remember right the goal Did you ask me to get it on television that was like the main they moved us. they moved us ron like our yeah. seats our seats were supposed to be right there on television they moved us in the corner where they used to do that stupid uh that stupid pre-show or whatever where they had booker t and sergeant uh. slaughter they moved right, us right, over right. in the corner to keep that sign off television. I remember that now because I remember you tweeting me, asking me to share it because you wanted to get some eyeballs on it before the uh, show started. And uh, at that point, you hadn't been moved yet, so we didn't know. But yeah, I remember that now. That was pretty creative. That was clever. Too bad it didn't get on TV, but you yeah, know, WWE can't laugh at it itself. Television. Yeah, well... They uh, they 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 do stuff like that. They 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 move people oh, yeah. around. Um, well, we saw that the AEW got started. How they were moving people. I were wearing shirts either with the AEW logo or Young Bucks or whatever. I mean, they just that's corporate wrestling. It's not. You know, I don't know. It's not like it used to be. It's not that fun anymore. Okay, so I got a question, Bobbert. You go first. <clears throat> when did you discover professional wrestling? Oh, God. I remember, like, my parents would watch wrestling when I was a kid, and I didn't even care about it. I would just, like, play with toys on the floor. <laughs> like, I, I didn't really get into it. Like, I, I remember the Attitude Era, but, like, I remember watching it and not re really even being interested in it. 
like I don't think it was till like 2002 when I started, you know, like actually watching it, like actually caring about it. That's when the whole ruthless aggression thing. Yeah, I remember like I watched WrestleMania in 2002. It was like probably the first moment. That's when Cena was just breaking out, right? Or just before? Yeah, that was like ruthless aggression era. I remember like Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar had a match. I don't know if that was 2002 or if that was later though. That's when that's when Brock tried the shooting star press and he landed on his head and. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Now, Ron, we had sort of talked about when you found wrestling, but we didn't really go into detail. When when did you see your first? Like, when did you watch it the first time? And you were like, "Oh, this is this is you know, this is the stuff right here." Oh, man, I, I predate by almost a full generation, apparently, because I grew up in the Northeast back in the day. You know, I, when I was a kid, you had to actually get up to turn a dial to change the channels on your TV. Remotes were just being invented, and uh, I remember sitting on the end of my—I remember sitting on the end of my bed one night in my bedroom, flipping around, and um, came up on a wrestling match, and it turned out it was Andre the Giant versus Blackjack Mulligan. And it must have been toward the end of the match because Mulligan had Andre in his famed claw and he would wear this black leather glove, you know, almost like, you know, if you work out, something like you would wear in the gym with the fingers, uh, fingertips cut off and he had the claw on uh, Andre's temples and he was, uh, you know, holding it in for a while and the blood was starting to trickle down and uh, it just grabbed my attention and I was watching it. And I think it was the last match in the show because I don't remember any other matches after that. But then I discovered that WWF was on every Saturday morning, you know, on uh, an independent TV station in New York, WOR. And anybody that grew up in the Northeast knows WOR Channel 9. And every Saturday, they used to have 60 minutes of wrestling. And there was always the enhancement matches and a bunch of interviews and promos. And that was where I learned about the once-a-month shows from Madison Square Garden, the big three-hour extravaganzas, and that's when you'd have the big, you know, um, championship matches and and grudge matches. That's when the Intercontinental and Tag Team belts meant something. You know, at that time, Bob Backlund was champion. Uh, You know, it was shortly before the time it's Jimmy Snooker and Don Morocco had their epic cage matches when Snooker was dropping off the cage. And, uh, you know, it was just that era. So I started growing up on WWF, and then um, shortly after, I discovered, I don't know if you guys remember UHF, which was kind of like a uh, cable precursor, and you could get it through the antenna and your TV, and you had to like watch shows through the snow to try and get a picture. But every once in a while, you would get a channel that came in clear, and every Saturday at midnight, once, you know, this, it's kind of like how at night AM radio stations come in clearer. It was the same with UHF. And Championship Wrestling from Florida with Gordon Soley um, was on. And that was the time that uh, Kevin Sullivan and Dusty Rhodes were, were ruling the roost down there. And I just loved it. I still, that's still my favorite territory. Championship Wrestling from Florida when Eddie Graham um, was running the show down there. And, you know, between WWF and all of that era and Championship Wrestling from Florida, that got me hooked. And then shortly after, it was the Hogan era WrestleMania and the rest was history. I grew up with like, like I don't re- ever remember a time like when I was a kid that wrestling wasn't there. It was just like my grandpa watched it, and it was just like it was just like so normal to, for me to sit down and watch it. 
or watched it. I'm talking like a retard now, but watch it. But um, no, no. Um, but you know, that's the uh, that's just the way it was. It was sort of like Alabama football. Like you would watch out. Like when I was a kid, you would watch the Bama game that came on at two thirty. And then you would sit there, and then you would go eat or work in the yard for a while, and then you would come back in, and you would have to sit there um, for an hour and watch it in the heat of the night. And then WCW came on. And then, like, I, I didn't know that there was a other wrestling promotion until the night that they were in the garden. And my grandpa would flip the channel because I, I at, at this time I had no idea that there was a thing called WWF. I didn't know that Hulk Hogan was. I didn't know anything about Hulk Hogan slamming Andre the Giant. I didn't know like at, at this point in my life I still thought that you know everything was oh they were getting in there and beating the crap out of each other. But um, when I found out that you know that there was a thing called the WWF. My grandpa flipped the channel one night, and then when he flipped the channel, there it was, and it was Mick Foley the night he did the three faces of Foley, and he debuted Cactus Jack in the yeah. WWF. That was the first time I had ever great. seen the WWF, and I, I I was hooked then. Like WCW pretty much became an afterthought of me. I didn't know that WCW existed until they like went out of business. <laughs> Like, I, was like, I was like reading the newspaper and I was like, what is WCW? Like, hey, you missed the whole NWA deal then, huh? I think I watched like the last episode of WCW. That was like the first episode I watched and the last episode. Well, you were jokes. I didn't know the WWF existed until like 97. I didn't know I didn't know it was yeah, there. That, that's how I was with WCW. Um. Yeah, North, we didn't know about Crockett and the NWA because at that point, the Superstation wasn't national. So 605 didn't air on Saturday nights uh, in our part of the country until, you know, I was probably a teenager. And the other way I knew about Ric Flair and, and uh, Dusty Rhodes and all those guys you were probably watching every week, mm -hmm. uh, Jeremy, was when I started buying wrestling magazines. You know, that was the after, after magazine era. And that's when I used to read about AWA, NWA, and all the territories and learned about all these other wrestlers. But that was the only exposure I had to them until cable TV and, and, uh, you know, we got WTBS and, and, uh, world class wrestling started airing by us. And I told you about Florida and then ESPN picked up the later years of AWA. But until then, we didn't know anything but WWF existed. We'll see, like, when I, well, like, when I was a kid, like, it was, it was, <clears throat> it like when I remember this, like it was yesterday. Jake the Snake Roberts came out on WCW, and I was like, Who is that? Because, like, I didn't know who he was. Like, I'd never seen him before. And then he comes out and he starts putting this snake on this guy. And, I, and now I think about it, like, how many people really didn't know who Jake Roberts was? Uh, you know, it's like because all I'd been exposed to at that point was Sting, Luger, Flair uh dusty hogan i mean it, it that that macho man that's who i you know of course we've seen the warrior in wcw where he come out there and he turned into the undertaker where he was <laughs> oh god <laughs> you never seen that you never seen that no, bobber I, i've seen it it's not good <laughs> 
Oh my god, dude, that was terrible. That was terrible. Um, but Rick Flair and Sting, that was my that like I guess that to people, I mean like to people in the south, Flair and Sting was like Hogan Andre in the north, you know? Yeah, and it was such different styles because once I started watching NWA and you realize what you know, quote, real wrestling was as opposed to the cartoony wrestling up north with WWF and how different it was presented and the action in the ring and the characters themselves. It was just night and day. I loved it, man. I remember first seeing the Red Warriors coming in, beating the hell out of everybody. I was like, man, this, you know, to this day, they're still my favorite wrestlers of all time. And it was just like so different than anything. the guys. On WWF, you know, they were in job matches and, you know, they, they didn't wrestle the same way people like the Road Warriors or the Key to Clayoff. Man, I, I love that Smash Mouth style. I love the Southern, I love Southern wrestling. It was, it was different, but like ECW, like I, I think, I think what happened with ECW is that Paul Heyman realized that people up north were loving the Smash Mouth style of, of Southern wrestling. But they were loving the entertainment style of, of, of like you get what I'm you get what I'm saying. Like I think ECW was a mixture, like it was the perfect mixture of both. They just went too far with it. It was um, it was so weird that like okay, you go back and you look at um, you go back and you look at what the some of the stuff that ECW did. They did some of that stuff in Memphis in the eighties. They ran Jerry Lawler. <laughs> question for you both um now we've all seen it before and we've all heard it before that wrestlers say that they're done like i'm done i'm retired i don't care who goes first whenever you go first i don't want to follow up but do you believe the undertaker's actually done He keeps saying that, like, like I seen the interview the other day he did on a different podcast where he said that that Sting match was always in the back of his mind and he wanted it too. And I was like, well, why didn't you just do it? It doesn't happen. It's not going to be done until he physically can't get in a wrestling ring. Like, that'll be when he's done. Especially because he has to wrestle once a year and he probably makes a million dollars for, you know, I mean... Yeah, there's a lot of training leading up to the night, but actual wrestling, what, maybe 30 minutes? No, it's just, 
to me, I don't think he's done either. I, I think what will happen is WrestleMania, like, because COVID, like, now that Trump has COVID, they're definitely going to be coming up with a cure for this thing. They're going to be coming up with a vaccine that's going to get out quick. But what I think is going to happen is COVID's going to be over, and either we're going to have a cure for it or we're going to have a vaccine for it. And then WrestleMania is going to come back around, and then he's going to be like, oh, I really didn't get my WrestleMania moment. I didn't get my closure. And then we're going to have Undertaker, AJ Styles, WrestleMania 30-whatever this is. And that's what I think is going to happen again because, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's done. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't watch Monday Night Raw. I don't watch AEW. I don't watch – I mean, I just don't watch it anymore. It's just gotten so bad to the point where I just don't care about it. But – um, if Undertaker or somebody like that is going to be on there, of course I'm going to watch. And I think that's what they want to do. Like when he comes on there, I think that's their biggest thing. That their biggest reason of why he comes back is because people like me who used to watch, but not really is I'm not really into. I mean, Adam Cole, I think he's great, but what are they doing with him? Didn't they put him in a feud with a? Football player or something? Yeah, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee, yeah. Yeah. That match was, like, surprisingly good, though. Pat McAfee's an outlet. Yeah, like, it was was pretty good. A lot of people were saying next to Ronda Rousey, that was probably the best athlete-turned-wrestler debut in in a long time. Yeah. I couldn't think of any that was better. Yeah. I, I don't... I don't know. I, they had someone else that was a wrestler on that same weekend to wrestle someone, but I don't remember who it was, though. I just remember being underwhelmed by it compared to Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee's a jack-of-all-trades, though. Dude's got a podcast that does insane numbers. Got a guy <laughs> goes on ESPN. He's going to replace Lee Corso on game day. The NFL used him. The XFL used him. I mean, he's they pretty- fooled me with that segment with Adam Cole and Pat McAfee, though, because I thought it was fake. Or no, not fake. I thought it was real. Like I thought Adam Cole was genuinely mad. So like they actually worked me on that. Like for once, they actually fooled me on something. It's good when they get you. Though. Yeah, like usually I don't fall for it. Thank you, to me, I felt like it was a modernized version of that Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman deal on David Letterman like 35 years ago, minus the slap in the face. Yeah, and I yeah it was just more modernized. I, I, kind of, I liked how they didn't censor Adam Cole. Like they, But hey, since we're talking about WWE, let me ask you a question. How do you both feel about freaking WWE saying that they're going to take these guys' Twitch accounts? And First thing I thought of is it – oh, sorry, Barbara. Uh, well, I just want to say, like, I thought it was bad at first, but but now it's like they're saying that, like, Paige has to go by, like, Saraya Knight instead of Paige. Like, that makes sense to me. Like, they're not going to take the whole thing away from them. They just have to change their WWE name to their real name. So it's not, yeah, it's not as bad. Sure about that? Because the way I understood it is that uh, WWE was taking control of all of their Twitch accounts. and that, Like they can't um, make money off of it anymore? Well, here's the kicker. 
WWE is going to be kind enough to give a cut to the wrestlers for the for the revenue they generate through their Twitch accounts. And as far as I know, it doesn't matter if they use their real name or uh, you know professional wrestler name. That WWE is taking it over. As soon as I read that, I thought the first two things I thought of was one, ha independent contract in my ass and number two was this sounds like something the mob would do when they come into yeah. you know back in the day they were coming to your restaurant and go man it would be a shame if your restaurant burned down one night wouldn't it you know give us 20 percent of your uh revenue we can make sure that that never happens oh, and that's what it sounded like, like a mob boss anyway so yeah yeah that, that that's exactly what it was a it's a shakedown Dude, Paige, Paige makes like forty thousand dollars a month on her Twitch. Just watch, like watching videos. Like she doesn't even play games; she just watches videos. And I and I get it when it's a uh, WWE likeness. So if Paige were doing a channel under Paige and WWE had a problem with it, I actually understand that. But if she's through Iron Night on on that channel and she builds her audience and she's doing what she's doing, well, then good for her. I mean, if if she was working at an auto dealership on the side to help supplement her income, would they be making her give a cut of that money? I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. They're you know, it's going against their me. it's going against their downside. That's it, yeah. I mean, that's even more ridiculous because it, again, that's what I mean about this being a shakedown. And and now of all times, when the WWE is having record profits, they have billions of dollars literally coming in every year. And, you know, they're going to be nickel and diving these wrestlers with that a few thousand dollars and counting it against the downside. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's another peek into the window of how the town is treated there. Well, somebody told me, somebody told me that that has pretty good knowledge, but I mean, I'm not going to give his name on here because he has a job that he could get fired for it. But um, he told me, like, when this first started, that WWE is only paying downsides anyway, like because of COVID, like that's all they're doing is downsides now. So now this, their Twitch accounts are going to be counting against their da- downsides. So they're actually going to be losing money by WWE doing this. Well, WWE already screws their talent by not giving them anything for their likenesses on the uh, network. And the same with the former talent that doesn't work there anymore when they play archived footage, you know, it all shows if something of, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan is, on the network and and it's aired he's not getting a cut of that so you know it's not surprising that they're cutting another corner with the current talent because that's how they operate aj styles and sting was smarter than that because if you go back and um you you know that's the reason that sting's not under contract right now is because wwe was having to pay him so much for his um like when when they run his stuff on wwe network that he's under contract it was a set rate that he was getting. Sure, he wasn't getting Brock or anybody else. He would, he, he would, he wasn't even getting Triple H money. I don't think. I think he was making like a million. But, um, he uh he had it structured in his contract too. From what I was told, that he was getting paid royalties every time his face was shown on that network. So he was pretty. He was ahead of the game on that. Yeah, he's smart. Apparently, AJ has it that way, too, because he's not too worried about the Twitch thing. So No, that's the thing. The guys, well, the talent that are making multi-million dollars, either, you know, like you wonder about Xavier Woods. He's got that up, up, down, down with over a million subscribers. I'm curious how that's breaking down because he's making a good penny with 
that many people on his channel. Pretty sure he's having to give him a cut anyway because he's using WWE likenesses on there. Oh, okay. Because he didn't he do one, Bobbert? Doesn't he do some like I don't watch it enough to know, but I remember one time like two episodes of it. But like, didn't he do like one time? Didn't he have an episode on there where he was like up, up, down, down with Samoa Joe? Like well, he, like he does episodes of that, like backstage at WWE, like backstage during the shows. So, like he does, he'll do that show while he's on the job, basically. Yeah, so, so they're getting a cut of that. I'm pretty sure already. Yeah, they're definitely yeah, probably taking money it. from him because he's getting to use likenesses on there. So, I don't know if you remember a TV channel called G4. It was like a video game channel. Yeah. Like, yeah, Xavier, like that channel's coming back, and Xavier Woods said he wants to do a show on G4. So I don't know how WWE will feel about that if he does that too. Well, if he does it, Xavier Woods, they'll take a cut of it. Yeah. Go away from movies or something, you know, in mainstream media, and they have to get Vince's blessing, which, you know, again, is kind of uh, uh, anti-independent contractor. It's one thing if you're, um, you know, come up, if you were, shit, I'm trying to think of a, this is you're a show as it is a WWE character, I get that. But if you're uh, Claudio Castagnoli and you're on this show, then, I don't know, to me, that should be an independent venture of what you're doing as a wrestler. But uh, that doesn't seem to be how it operates there. I heard somewhere that The Rock, even The Rock has to give WWE money he makes off of movies. But, like, I don't know if that's true or not. That could just be something someone said. That might be while they're taking in billions of dollars. In the beginning, that might have been the case. Because Hogan was giving a cut when he was doing some of his uh, TV shows back in the day. That's why Ventura left, because because Vince wanted to cut a Predator. Yep, exactly. And Piper, because he wanted to do They Live. Yep. Vince wouldn't let that was Ventura. That hair match with uh, Adonis. Mm-hmm. That's why um, another thing he wanted Ventura gone is because it actually came out in court that they were going to get a wrestler's union because a guy from the football union had talked to Ventura, and Ventura got up and gave a whole spill to the boys in the back. And then everybody was getting excited about it. And then uh, Hogan was the one that uh, snitched him out to Vince. Yeah. Which I didn't get that. Now, I mean, look at Hogan. I mean, Hulk Hogan's banned from AEW. (laughs) And Linda Hogan. (laughs) They banned Hulk Hogan from AEW. Yeah, because he said the N word. They 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 uh they banned him. That's weird though. Like Excalibur used the N word too, though. Oh God! You just yeah. Mm. There's a video that like came out pretty recently about the well, goodbye Excalibur. When the social justice but, warriors found well, out about they, that, they like they like hushed it down somehow. So I don't know. Yeah, he was off after about, about a month. Yeah. Oh wait, didn't they? Did they actually like suspend him for it? I don't know if it was an actual suspension, but I do know he was off air for about a month. And the video was from back in uh, 03. And it was part of a wrestling promo that involved Kevin Owens also. 
Yeah, there, uh, when he was Kevin Steen. There was some wrestling company. They would like use the N word in promos all the time for some reason. Like I, yeah, I don't know the wrestlers. Yeah, well, they were they were on the outside of the ring. There was two or three guys, and there were a couple guys in the ring, and I, I think one of them, only one of them, was uh, black. And when they were addressing him, that's when they uh, threw the slur toward him. And I thought I remember hearing something like the, the, the black. Uh, <clears throat> he didn't want it said, and they did it anyway. It was something like that. Ben's used the N word on television. Nobody ever talks about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It slips out. Well, there's that blooper of Booker T when he had it slip when he was talking, I think, about Hogan. No, but, no, no, no. Vince didn't, Vince didn't let it slip. Oh, no, I know that. Yeah, yeah. That was backstage. Was it with Cena? Yeah. Oh, I know the clip you're talking about. Yeah, he had Booker T standing there, and he walks up to Cena, and he goes, what's up? My... And then he says it. Yep. And then Booker T goes, tell me he didn't just say that. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if Vince said that today. I started starting a uh, Twitter account with, call it like non-PC wrestling or something like that. And uh, just finding clips of stuff that in no way would fly today, but that made air back in the day. Oh, God, There's Sable. A lot of people that... There's a lot of people that do that already, though, but they'll use the clips for, like, malicious reasons to, like, get yeah. in trouble. Well, for cancel culture, yeah. Yeah, everybody wants to do like, that nowadays. Jerry Lawler said a lot of stuff that it was just different times, so, I mean, it, yeah. you can't really give him a hard time now, but he said a lot of stuff that would never fly today. If you watch Attitude Era, like, just look at the signs in the crowd. They'll have, like, homophobic signs and racist signs. Like, it was, like, everything was okay back then. Like, you could just do whatever. Yeah, like we it was a lot of the counters. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there was a regular um, practice of you know stereotype characters. I mean, look at if you remember the uh, what were they called the Mexicals? Yeah, like the Mexican wrestlers that would come out on that lawnmower to John Deere. I mean, Jesus, Wandeer. It was Wandeer. Like, but even recently, we're like the Lucha Party, and they got to come out with a pinata. It's all right, just because they're. Mexican, Mexican wrestlers and they wrestle lucha style. So, I mean, yeah, the name lucha party could kind of fit in, but they had to come out with a pinata. I mean, that's so. <laughs> just, I can't even understand that kind of thinking. And they it's never so... even do anything with a pinata either. He just like carries it around. Yeah. It's not like Al Snow and Head. I mean, no. It wasn't a pop that was part of the gimmick. It was just being. Uh, not really racist because perpetual type wrestler from Mexico he can't just be a kick-ass wrestler you know he has to have some kind of Mexican you know landscape gimmick or pinata gimmick or something it's just stupid <laughs> I just hate how they put good wrestlers in goofy gimmicks like that because like those wrestlers are pretty good like Grand Metal yeah. Yeah, was a really good wrestler I don't remember what it's his awesome. name was though it's just like uh, it's just. Like, I don't mean that guy. Some athlete. It's like Bobby Lashley. I mean, yeah. look at Lashley. Every wrestler, yeah. Lashley, Lashley, and Lesnar is probably their biggest money feud they could get, but they don't want to do it. I don't. I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't know. There's no too real. Bobby. They still push him. They just won't go all the way with him. 
Like they have him in something called the Hurt Business now. Yeah, it's him, Shelton Benjamin, and MVP. And I, I like those guys together. Yeah. But, um, again, because of the way that characters are booked now and the types of storylines they do. There's good things on the Raw. Like, they just don't have a good payoff to any of it. Well, it's such a microwave mentality with how fast things move that they burn through, you know, the good matchups or the good storylines or... Yeah, they'll give them away on... Like free TV, they won't save them for pay per view. And with no build up or no pre announcement, it's not even like a hey, next week catch most of the time. It's just like coming up next, blah blah blah. And you're like, really, that should have been a pay per view match. <laughs> it's hard to care about it. for five minutes and it'll be a distraction finish with a roll up or some kind of bogus finish. You know, the music comes in, there's interference, something dumb like that. They'll do that at the pay per views, though. They'll build up a match and then they'll have some awful like BS ending to it and then the rematch the next night on Raw and you're like why did I bother watching the pay-per-view oh god they still do that like they did that on all the time well they did they got to the pay-per-view for a title match you gotta have the non-title loss for the champion against their opponent they did that in the 80s too though they can win the next night they did it they did it in the 80s too they 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 did uh what was it uh, what SummerSlam was that? It was uh, it was Warrior when Warrior came back, and everybody said it was a different Warrior. It was at SummerSlam. It was between Warrior and Savage for the title, and like, yeah. like they pulled the same ending. Like you had Warrior and Savage in there, and everybody was into it. And then they, I mean, that was one of Warrior's best matches. And then they, they, they come out there and they screwed it up with Flair and Mister Perfect. I mean, they, they've been doing that for years, though. That's what you call a dusty finish. Well, they definitely have a lot of clutches, and, and they uh, fall back on the same. It's really predictable. They fall back on the same old, same old. And I know there's certain just practices that you normally do in wrestling that are part of, like, the fundamentals of storytelling. But it's just there's such laziness with WWE and predictability that it's just making it harder and harder to watch i don't i barely watch it anymore too you know i, I used to blame it, i used so. to bl- i used to blame vince a lot but then i got to looking into it and you know who you know who's really to blame for the state of, of wwe today i would have thought vince no it's stephanie she's to blame for the for the state of wwe today because if you go back to when she became the head writer of SmackDown, what what was it, 2001, 2002? WWE didn't have a writing team. And when she took over, she was so uncreative that they had to hire a writing team for her. And she she oh, she became the first head writer in WWE history. That, that was her title as head writer. She ruined WWE because they took the whole concept – and instead of professional professional wrestling, it really was it wasn't even sports entertainment. It was soap opera entertainment. Yeah. I mean, it was terrible. She she's pretty much to blame for that. I mean, Vince is to blame for letting her do it. But I mean, it's his daughter. I understand she. But I don't think she has a creative bone in her body. Like when she, when he dies, if he doesn't sell that thing to Saudi Arabia or Disney. Or somebody like that where they can just be well off and he's not going to turn it over to Shane. We know he's not going to. I don't know why. But even if he turns it over to Triple H, Triple H probably has good ideas, but if they're not 
if he doesn't have a like a like a medium or whatever, like a like a go between, like if he doesn't have somebody to to check his ideas and make sure they're good, I don't think they can run it because she wears she she wears the pants in that marriage. I mean, my God, you can tell it. So I I don't think I don't think WWE is going to be around when Vince dies. I, I they're I, already running it on autopilot anyway, though. I, like I feel like when I'm watching, I feel like they don't even care about anything that's going on on there. Like, all right, here's an example. Like Randy Orton. All right, so like Ric Flair, Batiste. Let's see, Ric Flair and a bunch of legends are like backstage. They cost Randy the match at the pay per view. So in retaliation, he puts on quote unquote night goggles and like turns the lights <laughs> off and like attacks them. <laughs> and if, you saw, listen, if you saw what these night goggles were, like they were just like regular like sunglasses or something. It's like you can't afford like actual night vision goggles. They like, get they borrowed Roddy's get they full time million dollar company can't afford like like movie night vision goggles like it's ridiculous <laughs> they probably the idea 10 minutes before that <laughs> they probably did because like it happened literally at like 10 o'clock when raw was about to go off like the whole show had ended and then they threw that in there at the last minute so it was like the last thing you saw it was like embarrassing it was to save the old guys from having to actually bump yeah they're all broken down well big shot can bump but the other three guys are all hurt well, they didn't have to bump. I mean, they could have. They could have just done the whole thing with Big well, they've Show. They've been having Christian take bumps, even though, like, I thought he was retired from wrestling because he can't do it anymore. Like, he physically isn't allowed to wrestle anymore. Well, so so was Edge, and so was Daniel Bryan. But you know, yeah, I don't know. WWE is like humiliating to watch now. It's, it's like ma- embarrassing. It's made for children. I know. Yeah, I feel like I'm a child when I'm watching it. Like, I shouldn't even be watching it. It insults your intelligence, I know. You want like the rock, kind of intriguing Every time I get and... excited about anything, it's like they just, like, it explodes in my face. Like, the Raw Underground thing that they did. I was, like, I was so excited because they were, like, teasing some big surprise from Shane McMahon. And then it just randomly comes back from commercial. And there's, like, these people fighting in, like, the ring like it's UFC. And it was just so bad. So, so bad. Well, it like, felt like somebody came up with an idea at a, at a table that they were just pitching stuff on a TV day, and, you know, somebody threw that idea out there, and, were, and Vince was like, yeah, good idea, pal. And they just learned with it without any kind of, like, planning or anything. And it's just kind of like... Like, it could be a good idea. That's, that's, a, that's a bad thing about it. Like... I don't know if you watched Raw recently, but, like, they'll have these camera cuts. If, if a segment isn't live, they'll have, like, 50 camera cuts in, like, 15 <laughs> seconds. They'll just cut, 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 cut. It's like, it's like, what are you doing? You know how you go to an amusement park with a ride and it has a strobe light to give you the warnings about being careful that you can get, like, a stroke or something? I mean, that's they should put those warnings up on, on Raw because there's so many fast cuts that yeah. it's just, like, Disturbing to your senses. I mean, they think uh, it makes it look professional or something, but it doesn't. It just looks goofy. I don't even know how to direct the director. Like, if you ever seen a director and they're calling camera shots, I mean, it must be like machine gun fire in the booth. You know, they're like, take three, take one, take four, take five, take one, take two. I mean, I don't even know how you call the shots so quick. That's what's it's crazy. Raw underground. Like, every time they throw a punch, it's like, cut, 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 cut. And you can tell the punches aren't even connecting, so... It's like I don't even understand why they're doing it. 
Like they're trying to hide the fact that it's fake, but like we know it's fake. We can see it. They're not really punching each other. Did you ever see that video that was on Twitter? I'm going to say it was about six months ago. And it was of a cameraman shooting something on Raw. It was a fight like next to the stage. And the shot captured another cameraman literally bouncing his camera up and down for that effect that we always see. You know, when we're used to seeing it as it's being shot, but this video showed the cameraman actually physically bouncing up and down with the camera. And it just looked so ridiculous. And, and they kind of showed, you know, the wizard behind the head a little bit, but it was like, Jesus, it is as, it, as bad as you think it is. It's like they're just trying, like, anything they can possibly think of to see if it sticks somehow. Like, it's not going to work. You know what the funniest thing I've yeah. seen them do in the past couple months? Like, you know, the, like, the whole fiend thing? Like, how they do, like, the light? Dude, the fiend was so good. Like, they've... They've messed him up too. But the but the little lights they do like after like where they yeah, make that little that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like one time they were sitting there and they were like they were trying to build this guy's like the next Undertaker and I'm sitting there and my little girl was in love with the thing with the fiend. Um uh, the thing or whatever, the fiend. But she was in she was in love with the fiend and I was sitting there and I was watching it with her. And you can see the people at the bottom of the screen doing the flashlights. <laughs> it was like, how stupid are these people? <laughs> Imagine how pissed the Undertaker would be if, if, if like, he goes to get, like, he's standing in the ring. And uh, they turn the lights out for him to go under the ring, you know, to disappear. And like halfway, him getting to under the ring, the lights come back on, and you know, that's that's like one of those things. Like you want to kill the magic in something, like you got to make people believe this crap's real, because but they they don't even try. Like it's terrible. You hear about killing the magic though? What's that? A couple of months ago, when like the COVID thing, like it, it had just happened. Like I don't know if SmackDown was still live at this point, or if they were taping it. <laughs> but they would go like, all right. So if they go to commercials, obviously, obviously they're not going to still wrestle, right? Yeah, they're just going to stop wrestling. So they think that they went went to commercials. You could see them on TV. They just stopped fighting. They just like get yeah. off the mat. <laughs> walked over to the ring ropes like they're about to smoke a cigarette or something. <laughs> yep, I like, was, uh, so bad. Like, oh my god. When we went, it was somebody all cut. We went to uh, a nutshell. Well, I I seen one like I think it was I think it was Impact Wrestling. It was a it was a blooper on there where like like where they were taping it, but they messed up and left it in there. Anyway, it was some small wrestling deal. I've seen it on Twitter, but they have a television show and they did the exact same thing. Like they were going to commercial, but they didn't edit this out. Like somehow it didn't get edited. And they were just like, he had him in a, he, he had him in a sleeper and like, he's doing the whole thing. Like he's about to go out and then like it goes to commercial but it didn't go to commercial. They didn't edit it. He lets him out of the sleeper, and they both walk to the corner, and they're standing there with their hands on the hips, like breathing heavy. It's so bad. It's it's terrible. It's, I mean, I kind of want to like AEW, but I just can't get into the whole social justice warrior stuff they're, they're trying to pull over there too. Ugh. 
and it's inclusivity just for the sake of it instead of just creating a program that has a diverse cast of characters so that it doesn't feel authentic anyway. Well, it's, then, it's like Sonny Kiss. Like, every, like they act like Sonny Kiss is a big deal because he's gay and he puts on makeup. My God, we've seen that with Goldust. It's not like it's a, you know. Adrian Street. Yeah. Although he wasn't gay, but he was androgynous. Goldust. Yeah. Oh, oh! Somebody commented: raw acting is akin to adult film acting. Yeah, have you ever seen? No, adult film acting is better. Mm, I don't know, dude. I I, I think I just. I think I. I think I would rather be the camera guy for raw than the camera guy who has to get up under there and film this. <laughs> 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 Probably the same cameraman. Maybe that's well. No, WWE <laughs> takes half his cut. Vince goes, "Did you film that anal scene this weekend, pal? <laughs> give me my give me a give me my hundred and fifty dollars." <laughs> they say that Vince is from the South. They say he's from North Carolina, but I kind of believe he's a Jew. I don't know, but it's it's pitiful. Well, the audience is smaller than it's ever been, so obviously people are you know tuning out, and you want to say, well, there's more choices than ever. And it's like, yeah, but the loss, the rate at which WWE is losing its audience, is four times faster than the rate of TV viewership declining. So it's not like it's a one-for-one thing where you can just say, yeah, hey, TV viewership's down, I don't know, 5%, so is WWE. <laughs> it's like 5% for TV viewership overall and 20% for WWE. So it's you know far exceeding the rate of, of, of decline. And it's like, well, sports is still holding on to their viewership and you know, there's people television shows that get multi-million viewerships week to week you know csi and some of these other popular shows so if it's good programming people will watch it and because there is you know it's not like there's what, 50 dramas on tv there's only you know two national wrestling programs all you have to do is be halfway decent you can get an audience well it's like somebody another guy just commented again and said that i want to like aew too but there's something missing well what's missing is common sense like it makes no sense. Like they have rankings. Like they have rankings. Why would you? Oh, because we want to make it feel uh, real. They reset the rate, the rankings every year, so they don't even matter. What? But what's the point of rankings? It's pro wrestling, dude. If you've got somebody, okay, put use this as an example. John Cena yeah, becomes Cody a. Rhodes will find himself in any title match anyway. It doesn't matter. Well, it's like okay, John Cena becomes a free agent. All right, if if Tony Khan has any sense whatsoever, he's going to go out and he's going to try to sign John Cena. Cool. But he's also going to turn Cena heel the day he debuts. So if he's going to do that, you know Cena's going to be in the world title picture, so you might as well just not even have freaking rankings like that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, I don't even know if they follow the, rating, the rankings like that anyway. What is this, football? I, I've never like, even looked into it. 
I mean, uh, th- this is the number one. And, like, who votes on the rankings? Like, is it who beats who? Or Well, no, it's, like, match-based. Like, John Moxley, I think he's only lost, like, one match this year. So, uh, or actually, I don't even know if he's lost a single match. I don't even know. I, I don't know. I don't watch it anymore. <clears throat> well, the problem is they're making a lot of the same mistakes TNA did. Where they're almost turning into a WWE light. And instead of really being an alternative, like they said they were going to be, and they had said it was going to be a sports based product, and that was going to be the separator from WWE, they really aren't. And I don't even mean because they're bringing in some former WWE guys. I don't have an issue with that. I think people that fans that uh, make a big deal out of that are missing the point. I mean, talent moves around in the business since the beginning. But what you're presenting on TV isn't different enough from what you can watch on uh, WWE programming to make AEW stand out as different. What's different about them? Nothing really. It's it's not must see. That's the problem. Like Raw or AEW is not must see. I don't feel like I have to watch it, so I don't watch it. I mean, I, I knew it was going to be WWE light before it even got on TV because they were doing so many of the same things as WWE. Hiring producers backstage, you know, the, the way they were going to, um, uh, you, you know, they were saying no backstage interviews, which is fine. But then they bring in voices, you know, broadcasters that were associated with WWE, Jim Ross and whatnot. And it's like, you know, you're starting fresh. Make your own mark. You know, create your own stars and bring in your own talent. You know, and that includes broadcasting. That includes the way you present the show, you know, the way to have the stage set up. And, you know, it's just like, um, you know, it's just a a big budget version of of TNA, which was just WWE light, which we already saw didn't work. And you were seeing history repeat itself, and it's so frustrating. Well, somebody just commented, bring back the Mulkies and the Crockett Cup. Yeah, they probably will. Yeah, the Crockett Cup. They, the yeah, they may actually like bring. They they may actually try to bring something like that back because, I mean, my God, didn't they bring back Bunkhouse Stampede, the stupidest pay per view in WCW history? Ugh. That was the dumb. And AEW brought that back, didn't they? Yeah, they bring back all the old stuff, all the old wrestling. They're trying to get Starcade too. They couldn't use the name. They're trying to get Starcade. Like they're trying to get rights to Great American Bash and Starcade. But didn't they get Bash at the Beach too? That I think they got, yeah. Yeah, I think they're trying to get Starcade and um Great American Bash and it's just like well it it doesn't make any sense. Like are you trying to be WCW 2.0 because it didn't work no the first one wants time? To create anything new. They want to just rely on the past with the wrestlers and the gimmicks now. And there's room for nostalgia, but it can't be the centerpiece of your business model. You know, it's okay to have a piece of of your shows, you know, like with Art and Tully and Jake, that's cool. And if you have, you know, some elements of old school wrestling tied in there, but you know, if they're trying to get a younger audience, you know, even guys that are in their upper twenties, low thirties, they're not gonna know what Bash at the Beach and Starcade and a lot of these names and brands represented because they didn't understand what that vibe was all about and why wrestling fans were you know gravitated toward it back then. So it's not gonna be anything more than just a name that they remember from history. 
you know, with, without any real emotional connection to it. So I mean, it's not going to matter. It's not going to move the needle. I like to see Jake, but that guy they've got him paired with. Don't they have him paired with Lance Archer or something like that? Isn't that his name? Or yeah, it's just something like that. Like I mean, it's so it's so stupid. Like with the way it's like uh, it's like Luke Harper when he was in WWE, Brody Lee or whatever. Like I tuned over there to see like what they were gonna do with him, and like he's they're walking. Goofy stuff yeah, they're doing goofy stuff with him. Like I mean. That guy should be playing that maniac gimmick he was playing in WWE because that actually got over. I don't see why they didn't push him more, but I mean, my gosh, dude, that, that guy doesn't look like that. That guy doesn't. I mean, at least make him a cult leader or something. But God, man, that's the stupidest. You you go over there and you look, and he's wearing like a looking like a, he's a member of that. Oh God, what was that? Uh, what was the name of that? Um, it was Shane Helms and Shannon Moore and somebody. Huh? Three count. Yeah, he looks like he's a member of three count. He's out there walking around. He got kick pads on like a guy they like had that. Cole Cabana in that group with him for like no reason, too. It's like they just hire people and they have no idea what to do with them. Like they it's, just throw them all together in a random teams. They've got so much talent they can't even have them on. What what do they call their show? Dynamite. Yeah, yeah. They have they have a show on YouTube. They have most of the people wrestle on. What is it? AEW Dark or something. I think that's what it is. Yeah, that's their YouTube uh, show, weekly show. It does. It comes on like a day before AEW, though. Hey, listen to this. Yeah. Somebody just commented and said they need to incorporate some of the old angles. With the new talent, it's sad seeing some of the old wrestlers trying no, to relive. New don't need to rely on old stuff. Well, trying to relive their glory days. Shawn Michaels looked like a chimpanzee with arthritis the other night on Raw. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Shawn Michaels looks pretty stupid with that bald head of his. <laughs> no good. Old school booking sensibilities and mixing it with modern day athleticism, and that's what MLW does. Court Bowers promotion, yeah. You know, Court used to write for WWE. Yeah, he nails it, man. I don't know if you've ever watched that show. Um, it's on YouTube, but also they're on a bunch of networks, being sports and some others. But man, I mean, they nail it. If you want to watch wrestling that doesn't, yeah, it doesn't insult your intelligence. It's uh, you know, good old school booking and fundamentals. But it's not just rest holes and headlocks and chin locks and whatnot. It's guys, you know, working their styles, but in a way that you don't feel like you're watching Cirque du Soleil or, you know, storylines that, that are just stupid. You know, it's good show. It's good programming. What's pretty cool, too, is one of their stars, Hammerstone. You know, I watched him in the indies uh, out here in Phoenix for a number of years before he got his uh, big break. And he still lives out here, which is pretty cool. So it's kind of neat to see a homegrown guy uh, making it on a bigger stage. But MLW, I mean, they nail it. And it's just funny, you know, how they do it with their smaller budget and uh, lower profile. And then you get these major companies, billion-dollar backed companies, and they just they can't get storytelling right. Uh, You know, it would just seem like it's a basic uh, skill, you know, just tell good stories. and, And people will gravitate toward it. They just can't do it. I like the. I feel like there's a lot of outside interference 
in like WWE and AEW. Like maybe the that's what I should Yeah, it's like way more distractions, like running a big company like that. I, I kind of liked NWA Power for a while. Are they still doing that? Yeah, I like that too. Well, they took a break for a little while. If you remember um, when that whole, I forgot what, what it was called, that hashtag. It was kind of like the Me Too movement for wrestling with uh, women talking about um, male wrestlers that had sexually harassed them. And there was uh, an executive with NWA who was one of the people like that um, accused and outed of of uh i guess inappropriate behavior and uh billy corgan pulled nwa after that but they're going to be coming back coming back soon uh he just announced it i think earlier this week as a matter of fact um i like that i like i like the yeah, nwa is pretty good. yeah i like that but he it's like put something on his channel too he said that they weren't dead they were going to be come, coming back oh uh, it's like jim Cornette though since we're on this whole topic of people that are <laughs> being accused yeah. of sexually uh, being inappropriate with people, like what? <laughs> like Jim Cornette is one of these people that calls. Now I don't know how anybody feels about the president of the United States, and, and one I don't really care. But at the same time, he calls Donald Trump a racist, a pedophile, a sex offender. And all of these things, and then these allegations come out on him, and then they're posting screenshots, and now he's saying it's not true. And I mean, I don't know; it may not be true. I don't know if it's true or not. But at the same time, um, well, if there's screenshots of it, it's, is he trying to say like the screenshots are fake or what? I don't know. I don't know what he was trying to say. He went on. He went on his podcast. There was a lot of people that like testified against that. I thought though. Well, I don't know how many people actually did it, but it's uh, it's some uh, it's some people that you know that said that about him. But I mean, he he admitted on his podcast that him and his wife are swingers. Yeah. So I mean, which is fine if that's his lifestyle he wants to lead, but um, I don't know. It's it's weird that you know. Some of these people, like, why would anybody think that Jim Cornette would be, you know, somebody just commented and says, AEW is trying to bring back managers, it seems. Do you guys like the idea of bringing back managers? I like Jim Roberts as a manager. He's pretty good. I like the idea of it, but... You know, Arn has been pretty muted. You know, he doesn't do what he used to do anymore when he first joined with Cody. Tully is really just arm dressing for FTR. He's a great promo, but it's just, it's an odd mix. Vicky Guerrero with Nyla Rose. I love Vicky. She's the best. She's the best team WWE has had next to uh, Vince McMahon in the last 20 years. I mean, she got heat unlike anybody other. But she, she, it's just not the same dynamic in AEW. And um, uh, Jake, you know, he was cutting all his killer promos <clears throat> with Lance Archer. But then in Lance Archer's first big match, he loses. So the character yeah. got neutered. So now Jake talking, you know, talking big about his character has no impact anymore because now it's like, well, your guy already lost his first big match. So it's like nobody's going to care what he says anyway. Nah. I don't know. They make the same mistakes WWE make. I think. Yep. Well, I, I think what it is, 
Like I think what's wrong with AEW is it's a wrestling fan who had who who knows absolutely nothing about the insides of the business, and his daddy's got too much money, and he thinks he knows about the business, but he's got people like Cody around him and people like the Young Bucks around him, and we've seen what happens before when the inmates run the asylum when everybody. When everybody becomes a vice president of a company, well, how many vice presidents can you have? I mean, it's pretty much the this it's pretty much the inmates running the asylum at AEW. I mean, like, who's writing their material? So it's just it, that's that's why I just can't get into it. It's just like I don't know. It just. It doesn't make sense. Like you've got to have one person who's in charge and says this is going to make television, this isn't. And I feel that they have too many. I give them a little longer leash only because they only had a couple of months to really start establishing the brand before the virus hit and um, quarantine was being put upon everybody. So. It's really been about seven months now almost that AEW hasn't been able to perform in front of live crowds and have their quarterly pay-per-views to build up to big shows and big matches. And that brand really thrives off of the energy of their crowd and the passion and um, interplay between the wrestlers and the, and the uh, fans because that is kind of such an, uh, you know, an inclusive fan base considering how the company was formed and the reasons why and the back, you know the backstory to it so i think there's validity to a lot of what you say but i think it's kind of hard to be too harsh on them until they're doing it for real so to speak you know they've got six seven thousand people in an arena or or they're prepping for a pay-per-view um show and uh you know trying to get the big payoff on the big event and getting you to pay 50 bucks to watch it you know Somebody just commented and said, you're going to piss JR off by talking bad about AEW. Well, JR can get yeah. JR can get pissed off all he wants to. It's not like I really care. I mean. And do what? Yeah. It's not, it's not like, you know, um, it's not like I'm on here talking about his commentary or anything. I mean. Oh, God, have you heard his commentary? Slobber knocker! <laughs> Sometimes it sounds like JR's falling asleep on AEW. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes he's frustrated by what he's watching, just like what probably are. He will pull punches on the commentary, too. He'll make a little snide comment here or there and thinly veil something about the in-ring work. And, I, you know, I like it because then, you know, I'm, I'm just a fan. Even though I've been watching a while, obviously I'm just a fan. But if I see something I... I'm perceiving it in a certain way. And then a guy like JR, who's watching it live and has been in the business for 40 years, says the same thing. Then it's like, all right, I, I'm not so crazy after all. Well, well, they're saying there's somebody commenting saying that they listened to JR's podcast where he bashed Cornette because Cornette said that AEW was terrible. And yeah. um, they're saying that JR was gushing over uh, AEW and how great it was. Like, he can't really yeah. believe it. You just buy a beach house in Jacksonville, so got to protect the investment, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It seems that like if you go back and you like watch Jr. over the years, like 
don't get me wrong. I think Jr. is probably the greatest wrestling announcer because I mean I didn't see Gordon so well. I mean I saw Gordon Sully, but you know, but I was too young to. But Lance Russell, I've seen Lance Russell, and a lot of people get into it. Like a lot of people get into arguments over who's the greatest, but to me, Jr. is the greatest. And you know. If you go back and you watch Jr. then and you listen to Jr. now, he doesn't have any enthusiasm about what he's watching on the on the screen or in front of him in the ring because if you if you listen to him in the '90s when he was calling, you know, all these great things, even in the 2000s with the with the with with Kurt Angle, Brock, or uh, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels, or you know, stuff like that where he would just, like, get so into it and so amped up it made you believe it because of his commentary. He doesn't do that on AEW. And that tells me um, – um, it tells me that that he's not really into – if he if he's not given enthusiasm through his commentary on, on AEW, then that – that sends the message to me and every viewer out there that he's not really interested on what he's seeing in front of him. So why should you be? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I don't think it's so much like um, him losing his energy for calling wrestling. I think it's just that what's happening in front of him in the ring isn't captivating him. And plus, you think about it, if, if you were to highlight the errors where J.R. was at his best, Think about the in-ring product at the time and what he was calling and how good it was. It's hard. How do you not get excited about that? And all of the talent that was wrestling in front of him and the types of matches. You know, if you want to look at the NWA in its heyday in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, and then the uh, WWE Attitude Era, you know, for, for its flaws, what, the, the good things about the Attitude Era were awesome. So if that's what you're calling on a weekly basis, how do you not get excited? You know, and then you go to a- AEW and you're, and you're watching some of these guys and women that really aren't ready for prime time television yet. You know, how do you take that style that he is so known for, JR, with his broadcasting? And plus, there's a credibility factor, too. You know, the guy, you know, he's known for his voice carries weight and his endorsement carries weight because he's been doing it for so long. And if he's seeing something in the ring, He's not going to be true to himself if he's putting stuff over that he doesn't really think is is warranted. You know, think about like Tony Schiavone toward the end of WCW when you could tell he was losing interest and every match was going to be the greatest match and every pay per view was going to be the greatest pay per view of all time. You know, and he says it now. He didn't even believe it when he was saying it then, and it comes through on the screen. They just comment. Somebody else just commented that he's past his prime. But he's still good for old school stories. He's too busy taking blue chew. <laughs> well, God bless him if he's having that kind of fun that he needs it. Good for him. <laughs> JR might say for Johnny Rocket. Oh God. Oh. He's probably having to take blue chew to stay up while he's watching that crap he's seeing in front of him. Gotta have something interesting. It's shrinkage. 
<laughs> you know what? Like, I feel that, like, if I went to – like, AEW is one of those promotions. Like, you're pretty sure they're pretty liberal down there. I wouldn't be surprised if some of those wrestlers are snorting coke just to go out. It just Like, if they have to sit there and watch that crap, I'm pretty sure they're sitting there snorting coke in the back just so they can stay up long enough to watch that crap. Like, I mean, I hate to bash a new wrestling promotion. I really do. I wanted them to, to, to be around and be an alternative. But, I mean, like, I really like some guys on there. Like, uh, Luchasaurus, I think he's great. I think he should be pushed more. Uh, you got he he's ready he's ready for television he he's there for kids of course we know it but he's he's ready for television then you got somebody like Darby Allen who's a freak and just will do anything so I mean he's there he's ready for television but then you've got guys that have been on television before and they look like they've you know they look like a dog that's been dropped off in the middle of a field like oh, where do I go what do I do. Like John Moxley, my God, he's terrible. Like, he's I don't terrible. get the attraction to him. I don't dislike him, but he just seems like a guy that's playing tough guy. And 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 I don't know. I, I just I don't get into him. And look at what they're doing with Miro. I mean, he was a badass. He got over twice in WWE, and they dropped the ball with him each time. And then they bring him in with this best man gimmick in, in AEW, and I don't know. Right. I mean, yeah, you probably bring him in as a baby face to start because he's so pop. You know, people are going to want to like him at first, and then you have him do something dastardly and turn him heel and turn him into a badass. But and it seems like they're already neutering him. And he should be the tough guy. He should be. He should be like first of the He should be with the um with the what, what do they call themselves over there? The um are they still together? Dark Order. No, 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 no. Uh, J- Chris Jericho's little gimmick thing. Oh, Inner Circle, yeah. Yeah, the Inner, inner Circle. Jack, Jack uh, Hager, or Jake Hager. What's the vacuum of, of, of charisma? You, you just put him You put him anywhere near a microphone or near other wrestlers, and all the energy just gets sucked right out of it. Yeah, MJF. Like, they're saying that MJF, MJF if he could be push right, he would be really good. M- MJF, you're right. But the problem with MJF, he stole his gimmick from EC3. Let's just be honest. Uh, a lot of people say he's a Miz ripoff. No, well, EC3 is a Miz ripoff. Like that's, I mean, that's where they got the idea. I mean, and and the Miz ripped his crap off from The Rock in 2000 when The Rock went Hollywood. If you remember The Rock coming out there and acting like that with those big glasses and stuff and. The Rock ripped that off from Ric Flair, and <laughs> Ric Flair ripped it off from Buddy Rogers, and so I mean, but but MJF is like a total ripoff. But he's good on the mic, so he can cover his up. But there's not too many guys in AEW that can cover up, you know, that they stole a gimmick from somebody. But MJF really sees like, like I know he's that brash, arrogant guy, but like he can. Like he he's a pretty good wrestler. I like him. They've got some good talent. I like like I don't get the infatuation with Kenny Omega. Like I don't get it. Me neither. I don't get it. Like I don't see where people's like Kenny Omega's so good. I'm like no. I've watched his matches. Like I've watched three or four of his matches, and it's just like it's the same freaking match every time. I can't. Well, in the ring with Okada, has he ever had a memorable match? 
And that's because of Okada, because he's an all-time great. Yeah. It's like Kenny Omega, I don't I, I didn't get it. Like they keep saying that, you know, Kenny Kenny Omega's great. Uh the Young Bucks. What have the Young Bucks done? They went to they they were given a big stage at one time and yeah, they did like they could people could say whatever they want to. TNA pushed them as Generation X or whatever they was. But um they they tried to push them. But I mean Two little skinny white guys who come out there wearing bell bottoms with tassels on them, and they they call themselves Super Kick Party, and they're sitting there super kicking everybody all night. That's not entertaining. I mean, it may be to fat guys who sit in the basement all day, but it's not to the casual people. I mean, it's just I, I don't get the infatuation with the Young Bucks. Uh, Cody Rhodes, I don't get the infatuation with him. I, I thought that his brother was the better of the two. Um, I just, I, I just don't get it. I, they've got some good talent, but at the same time, they've got some really terrible talent. <laughs> Jungle Boy's really good too, though. Yep, yep. Jungle Boy, I like it. MJF, like he said. Um, but other than, I don't know. I mean, I like Wardlow. I think he has. He could be a. Uh, homemade star like what uh tna did with aj styles and samoa joe i mean roh ring of honor started getting samoa joe uh some star power but it was tna that really made him a household name for wrestling fans and i think Wardlow has that kind of potential that guy is just a stud i don't know if he can talk or not but uh we know he can wrestle and he's he has the look you know he looks like a grown-up he looks like a wrestler he's not a 180 pounder Put a Jake Roberts with him if he can't talk. Jake Roberts, one of those guys that I believe that Jake Roberts, he could have some woman going to tell him about a, going to tell on him about a Me Too mo- moment, and he could find out about it, and he could talk her out of it, like he's that good of a talker. He could talk a broom. He could tell a broomstick it's a mop, and they'd believe it. He's that good. But I think we're going to end this podcast. We went for an hour and 18 minutes. <laughs> flew by. Yeah. Yeah, it's flew by. Um, and Bobert, Bobert, whatever your name is. Bobert. 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 Bo- yeah, that's your real name is Bobert. He, uh, this guy said good podcast, good night. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's actually 10 05 where we're at. So it's what, 8 05 where you're at? Let me see. It's a three hour difference. Oh, is it three hours? It's 8 05. I take that back. I thought you guys were East Coast, but you're not. No, we're Central. No. Um, well, we're going to end this podcast here. I hope these podcasts find you in good health. And remember, it's not controversial. It's just culture. Just culture. Wrestling culture. Follow at Turnbuckle Mag at, at Turnbuckle Mag at Old Wrestling Picks on Twitter. Um, what was the name? This two, uh, it's Two Studios, right? Two, two, two films. Yeah, 222 Films. Go look it up on Facebook. 
or not Facebook, YouTube. It's late. I'm tired. We're ending this. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>